Welcome to Medicine for Good podcast. I am your host, Dr. Julieta Gabiola, Clinical Professor of Medicine at Stanford University. What drew me to medicine was the science, the innovation, and the promise for a comfortable life. But what has kept me in medicine are the real people, their lives, and their stories, as well as the translation of medical innovations into practical applications. This podcast will explore experiences beyond the walls and corridors of the hospital, laboratories, and clinics. I invite you to share in our journey seeking to preserve and improve our lives, our sense of balance, and our well-being. Welcome to Medicine for Good podcast. Our podcast today is to discuss on economic landscape during COVID-19. I often said in the past, if I have that kind of money, I will never be depressed. Then I realized as I matured up that money is not everything. It is just one tool for us to live better. Again, it is only one tool. There are so many other things in life that need to be in place to be able to live life to its fullest. During this pandemic, my heart bleeds for the people who suffer food and job insecurities. I cannot imagine worrying about where I will obtain our next meals, what I would do if I lost my job. Investments or saving money are so mundane until all these basic needs are met. These hardships of people resonates with me. I recall when I was younger, we had so many days that we had only one meal a day. I recalled my older brother who worked at the cafeteria at Philippine General Hospital, collected all the leftover from people and brought it home to us to eat at the end of the day. The taste of spoiled food was camouflaged by frying the heck out of the food. At a much younger age as well, I found myself at the rice field looking for snails. Once the bucket was full, I would go home and cook the snails in garlic, and that was our meal. It was so satisfying later to find out that the snails, the so hard to pronounce word for me, escargot, were such expensive specialty food in the U.S. and elsewhere. In the Philippines, they are food for the poor people. These days, the stimulus from the government, though not enough certainly, helped the marginalized. The drive-through food distribution centers also help quite a bit. They give out fresh produce, eggs, milk, turkey, chicken, rice and pasta, canned foods. Some people who have not experienced food lines are now waiting their turns. The unemployment benefits from the government also help. These are unprecedented times for everyone. Everyone I know feels distress one way or another. Data shows, though, that the wealthy people have gotten wealthier and the poor have gotten poorer during this pandemic. Certainly, COVID-19 has changed the global landscape, be it health, finances, education, economics, professional and social environments have certainly changed. The sudden and long-standing disruptions caused by the pandemic are presenting economic challenges with potentially long-standing repercussions. Having said that, knowledge can help us better manage our personal finances through this time of hardship. Today, I invited a financial guru who can help us navigate the negative financial consequences of this pandemic and offer some suggestions on how to manage our personal finances and buffer ourselves against the financial burden of the pandemic. 
I figure we have to start somewhere. So I am pleased today to welcome a sensible financial guru, Sir John Shin. John wears many hats. He is a serial entrepreneur, philanthropist, movie producer, author, motivational speaker, and a renowned business coach. He has started 26 different companies from scratch, which later became multi-million dollar enterprises. He's the co-founder of All for One Foundation and sits on the board of six different nonprofit organizations and charities. Sir John Shin also is the executive producer of the featured film Think and Grow Rich, The Legacy, which is sweeping the world in multiple countries. Sir John is a modern-day author of the best-selling book, Think and Grow Rich, written by Napoleon Hill in 1937. His book, A Think and Grow Rich Publication, was released January 6, 2020, called How Rich Asians Think and Grow Rich, published by Napoleon Hill Foundation. Sir John continues his mission to inspire young entrepreneurs around the world. He captivates his audience by educating them with a sense of humor. He commands his audience with an exhilarating, intensive energy, energy that keeps people on the edge of their seats for 12 hours. That energy is so contagious. It contaminated me, as a matter of fact. He holds an MBA and a doctorate degree in law. His passion is in mentoring people in the world of business. I like what he preaches in his own words. Show me your mentor and I will show you your future. John, thank you for joining me today. I figured with some words of wisdom from you to our listeners on what we could do with our finances would help somehow during this pandemic. Yes, thank you so much, Dr. Gaviola, for having me here today. So I know this pandemic will not go away completely, and it may become like a flu illness that we have to put up with it each year. Thanks to the vaccines and leading us to the herd immunity, and I think by the time we reach about 80% threshold, we could reopen society. But having said that, we have to try to survive this financial downturn. So walk us through on what we could do for now. Let's start by talking about different stages in one's life. What comes to mind is someone who just lost their job and found another one, and they have to start and jumpstart their lives again all over. What would you tell that young person, maybe age 25 to 30, who just got rehired? Sure. You know, I would tell those people right now that it is so important to look, number one, at their cash flow and compare it to their overall monthly expenses. So a lot of people, they don't have cash flow. And if that's the case, if you have no cash flow, you've got to look at some alternative ways to generate income. And there are a lot of businesses that you can start, you know, you can start an e-commerce business. Okay. And that's like maybe a whole nother podcast and talk about the different kinds of industries. But I think it's important to start looking at your cash flow, And then of course, looking at your overall debt. When you look at your debt, it's so important to know where you're spending that money. You know, I see a lot of people right now still paying on, let's say a credit card or paying their debt. They're still paying down the principal and it's okay right now to pay the minimum payment. So if your minimum payment is, let's say $50 a month, don't pay the $350 a month. Make sure that you're just paying the minimum payment because right now cash flow is king and managing their expenses from that standpoint. 
Some people said, well, I just got my economic stimulus money or my economic, if they're a business, they got their SBA money and they're using that money to pay down all their credit cards. I would tell them to hold on to that money so they have cash reserves. It's so important to know right now that they got to have enough money to pay for food and their bare necessities. Okay. Okay. Why don't you take us on a middle-aged person, 35 to 40, for example, having maintained a reliable job, a few savings here and there, and want to look at their financial portfolio? What should they be thinking in terms of planning? Well, so I also want to just tell you that the person, this is not just any age, but everyone across the board, that they have to be proactive with their expenses and calling every single credit card company for them to call every single insurance carrier. For instance, many insurance companies right now have actually reduced their overall monthly premium by 10 to 25%. So if you, let's say, I don't know, let's just say you have an insurance company XYZ for your auto insurance. If you call them and tell them that you're having financial hardship, loss of job, they'll actually reduce their insurance premium by 25%. Many companies are reducing it no matter what automatically by 10% across the board without even having to call in. But if you do call in and you're proactive about it, they will give you a 25% discount on your insurance policies. So it's really important that people are proactive with their monthly expenses and working with the different institutions to lower their monthly premiums. Oh, okay. How about interest on credit cards? Could they also call and get their interest rates reduced as well or no? Yeah. So many credit card companies right now are actually allowing you, if you're paying 22% or 18%, they're actually waiving that for 90 days and six months in some cases. So it just kind of depends on who the credit card carriers are, but they're willing to work with you on that. Mm -hmm. A lot of people are concerned that if you don't pay right now, that there might be a derogatory reported on your credit report. And they recognize that as well. So right now, many credit card companies, if you're on the phone with them and you're talking to them and communicating with them. They'll also not report for up to 90 days as well. How about refinance of a home? If you have some equity on the home, the interest is so low now. What is your advice? Yeah, you're absolutely right. Interest rates are very low right now and people are looking at refinancing. In some cases, they've been under 3%. Many people were able to refinance at the 2.75 or 2.875. Those are typically for the conforming loans for lower loan amounts. People that have higher loan amounts, what they call jumbo and super jumbo loans, they're not going to get the 2.5 or the 2.25 or 2 and 3 quarters. Their rates are typically going to be a little bit higher, but this would be a great opportunity opportunity to call the bank and see if there's a way that they can refinance their properties. Now, the good news at the same time right now, many of the banks have come out with what they call stated income. So you may not be able to show current income, but what they will do is work with stated income where you just state your income and they also will use two years of bank statements. So if you just show 12 months of bank statements, they won't even need to see your tax returns. So a lot of people are doing that so they can actually get their homes refinanced and be able to get some cash out. Okay. Okay. So how is it in terms of managing debt when you could barely make it? It's really sad to see how many people are getting government money. They're getting the stimulus money, the 2400 plus for every kid, you're getting so many hundreds of dollars. And you'd be surprised how many people are online shopping for the Louis Vuitton bag. 
we had one person that we were talking to and she was bragging about how she bought a brand new car. Okay. A brand new Mercedes 350 or something or another. And she was using government money for all this kind of stuff. So as people are getting all this kind of money, I would tell them to be careful about going out there and spending their money because they're thinking, wow, look at this extra money. And I think that COVID will end pretty soon. I'll be able to go back to my job. I might find a different job in the next 90 days. I would tell people to make sure that they're saving money for food and all the bare necessities and have at least 12 months of reserves as whatever to pay for their food and their bare necessities. Now, the textbook tells you when you have an emergency fund to save about three months of emergency money. Well, we've seen now during a financial crisis back in 2007, 8, 9, and 10, that three months wasn't sufficient. And certainly when the pandemic came out back in March of 2020, most people did had no idea how long this was going to last. And so that unknown time frame, most people say, ah, within the next 90 days, everything will be okay. And when that 90 day passed, and then maybe said, it'll be another 90 days. And when people started to realize how long will this pandemic and our lockdowns happen around the world, people were getting concerned. So I tell people, begin now, start putting aside money for up to 12 months of annual expenses and leave that money somewhere where it's liquid, where you have the opportunity to access that money for any kind of an emergency. What do you mean save that money in something that's liquid? Like where? Well, so I wouldn't tie it up. Like there's a different type of financial vehicle, such as an annuity, Mm -hmm. where, you know, what most people don't realize is once you put money inside an annuity, that money is pretty much tied up until you're 59 and a half years of age. So if I'm 35 today and I put, let's say, $10,000 in annuity, it wouldn't be a very sound investment advice to go and put your money in annuity. Or if I was to go and put that money into a retirement account, such as an IRA or a Roth IRA, or even a SEP IRA for those that are self-employed, I wouldn't put money there. I would typically put that money, let's say, in a mutual fund account where it is 100% liquid. And you got to find a good financial advisor that could tell you where to put that money, where the return is fairly stable and consistent without a lot of risk and build access to that anytime without any kind of penalties or fees or surrender fees to access that money. Okay, that's good to know. And like, for example, if I would refinance the house, what would you do with that money? How would you invest that money on a sound investment if given that opportunity? Sure. So what a lot of people do is they'll take that money and they immediately start paying off all their credit card debt. And I would tell them right now, because of these uncertain times, don't pay off your credit card debt. And I know that's tough for some people to swallow because they've always been told, well, whatever you do, pay off all your credit card debt, pay it off as quickly as possible. I would probably take that money and keep it in a place where it's going to be liquid because we don't know how long the pandemic or job recovery will take. There are certain states, I'm sure, out there, like they say in Texas. In fact, I was just there or I came back from there yesterday. There's places like Florida where things have opened up and even in Las Vegas and Nevada. 
But the majority of the country is still in somewhat of a lockdown. And most people have not been able to go back to their workplace. And so I would say to take that money that you refinance, put it into a place where you know that you have access to that money. But at the same time, the other thing that you have to consider is that you want to make sure it's not losing money. Because if you borrowed that money at two or three or four, five, six percent, you want to maybe put that money somewhere where it's going to give you a higher rate of return turn than what you're actually borrowing that money at. Mm -hmm. So if you've got that money, if you borrow that money at 3% interest rate, maybe go find an account in a mutual fund where you're going to get a little bit higher than the 3% rate of return. I certainly wouldn't go and put that money in cryptocurrency and Bitcoins and things like that, because I think those are risky and you may lose all your money. So if you want to invest in crypto and things like that, I would say put the money there knowing that you may never get it back. It's almost like going to Vegas and put money on a blackjack table. You don't go to Vegas to get rich and make your next mortgage payment, but you go there maybe for some entertainment and have some fun knowing that you're going to put $100 down on a blackjack table. And it was fun and entertaining, but you're not sitting at that table to cover your next mortgage payment. And I would tell you the same thing when it comes to cryptocurrency, maybe go and put a little bit of money in there if you choose, but I would make sure that you put that money where you know it's going to get at least a a certain rate of return that's going to be higher than what you're actually paying on the interest rate. Good to know because there's so much hype on cryptocurrency and bitcoins, right? So it's good to know how risky it is. In terms of risk, how would you put crypto and bitcoin on a range of risk in terms of investments? Well, I would say if you put it on a scale of one to 10, 10 being risky, one being like putting money in a bank account, right? Knowing it's there. And there's some degree of risk of putting money in the bank as well, right? I mean, there's inflation, there's taxes and all that kind of stuff. And you could still potentially net out zero or negative. But what I mean is if I put $100,000 in crypto, what is the likelihood I'll have that money in the next year or two or three? It's so new. There's no regulation. That's another thing that a lot of people see it as attractive. But what happens is when regulation does happen, what happens to the value of cryptocurrency? And there's a lot to learn about crypto and blockchains and things like that. For me, I would say on a scale of one to 10, crypto and Bitcoins, I would say is up at the nine or 10. That is higher risk. And if you put your money in a bank, at least if you know you go back, it'll be there. And people will say, well, what if a bank goes under? It can go under. Banks do go under as well. But at least the bank is backed by the full faith and credit of the U.S. government. And so you do have money there and you're also protected under different agencies like the FDIC. How about other investments? What could you suggest on people with money to park somewhere where there is a potential for growth and also coverage of their long-term planning, et cetera? Insurance, long-term planning, and have also money that's parked there and it's still making some. Mm -hmm. So there's several things you can do. Number one is it depends on how much money you have. Now, there is what they call an active money manager. These active money managers will manage your money on a daily basis. And they have the opportunity to take your money and go in and out of the market with your money. And they've done very well over the last 30, 40 years. So I would say to find a great, not a good one, but a great active money manager, have them manage that money for you. And when you go to the big wire houses, typically an active money manager would like to see a million dollars as a minimum investment. 
but there are active money managers out there today that will go in as low as $25,000. And so again, by putting your money there, it is number one, it is managed by an active money manager that they've got control over your assets and they're able to invest that money. They're monitoring it on a daily basis and it is 100% liquid. What these active money managers will do is not just go for the big game where you're looking for the get rich overnight, but they're also managing risk and making sure that they know when to pull your money out at the right time. Where do you find those, John? Because I know, for example, Fidelity will only do that for a portfolio that are like a million and above, right? But how about if you only have like 25000 or 50000 where would you find those active money managers that are competent and for sure ethical? Well, one, I can tell you they can call me and we'll certainly, yeah, and we can help them with that as well. And we've been doing this and I've been in this industry for almost 30 years now, but there are other companies, you know, if somebody says, well, I want to get somebody else's opinion and not just seek John's expertise. You just have to call around and find the companies that offer active money management. Now I had a young lady who said, by the way, my money is also managed by a mutual fund manager. And now a mutual fund manager is also Managed. However, we call that passive management. And the reason is because when you buy a mutual fund, every mutual fund is bound by a contract known as a prospectus. That is the big fancy word for a contract where all the legal stipulations are embedded into this thing called the prospectus. So when you, let's say, buy a mutual fund and it is seeking growth and growth is going down, the professional money manager working at that institution cannot take a client's money and go into bonds, let's say, if bonds was skyrocketing, because that money manager is bound by the rules of the prospectus, which means it can only be invested into growth funds or growth stocks. That's why it's passively managed and that they can only invest in that sector. Okay. okay. So if it's growth and income, they can only keep money in growth and income. If it's global, they can only invest in global. So if it's biotechnology, they can only put money in biotechnology. Let's say biotechnology is going south and it's losing money. And this money manager says, wow, let's say the S&P 500 is doing really well. The market, you know, the S&P, the top 500 largest companies here domestically, if they're doing really well, but biotech is going down, that money manager has to do the best they can in biotechnology. Cannot pull your money out for on your behalf. Only the client can call and say, I want to move my money out of there and go into the S&P 500. But an active money manager would make those decisions for you without you even having to make those decisions. They're going to manage your risk for you also on the downside. Okay. Okay. So they should call you. (laughs) Absolutely. So tell me about how did you get attracted to be a movie producer for the film Grow Rich? (laughs) Well, so back in the early 1990s, both my wife and I decided that we would leave the legal industry and we would pursue something else. And she was the first one to decide to go into the financial industry. And about a year later, she got me involved with her in her business. But we were just two young kids trying to figure out ways to pay off all our law school tuition and pay off all our credit card debt that we acquired through uh, school. 
And we just wanted to be debt-free. So we had no idea where to begin. And so we went to a bookstore because back then, believe it or not, we didn't even have the internet. The World Wide Web didn't even exist in 1990, 1991. And so Google and all these podcasts and shows like yourself that you're putting on, the YouTube channels, none of those things existed. So we went to a bookstore, we picked up a book called Think and Grow Rich, came home, began reading it, and we couldn't believe all the little secrets that were in the book. And so we started exploring this book and getting all the wonderful gold nuggets out of it. And basically that became our employee handbook. All our employees had to read it. Our staff had to read it. We wanted our friends and family to read it. And everyone who read it came back and said, John, that was the best book. We should get together just like people who have Bible study. And, you know, they get together, they'll dissect a verse or a chapter or a particular verse, a book in the book, you know, in the Bible. We started doing that with Think and Grow Rich. And we had these wonderful discussions. And then from there, our business just started exploding. When you get these great minds together, very similar to yourself, as a doctor, every doctor typically has their specialty, whether it's internal medicine, whether it's pediatrics, whether it's cardiology, they have their specialty. But if they have general medicine or general practice, they'll refer their clients out to a specialist, right? If you've got an issue with your ears or your nose or your throat, you go see an ENT doctor. And so they've got all the expertise in that area and research. And it's the same thing when it comes to business. Go and seek out the people who have expertise. And so next thing you know, we were not shy. We asked somebody to build us a website. Well, what did that mean? We don't know anything about building a website. We hired experts in all the different areas in business. We began to create systems to run our business. And before you knew it, our life became a dream come true. And so it's interesting because we were interviewed by a magazine company and they asked us what we attribute our success to. We said a book called Think and Grow Rich. And that's when we decided to reach out to the Napoleon Hill Foundation and, and ask them if we can make a movie based on the original book. And surprisingly, they said, yes, what a great idea and we went into full production and now the movie is going viral around the world and we're helping people in what I call the four areas of their life you know the four F's and the first F is their faith their second F is their family the third F is their finance and the fourth F is their fitness so if you work in those four areas of your life, you know, we say think and grow rich. When we hear the word rich, most people equate that with money. Money. Exactly. And rich means not just money, but rich in all areas of your life, rich in your faith, rich in your relationships, rich in your health, rich in your marriage. I mean, rich in business. Sure. Be rich in all areas of your life. Exactly, exactly. When I was younger, I always said, I wish I was wealthy. And I thought it was all money. But there is something beyond money that we can't buy, right? Family, relationships, and health, right? Absolutely. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So... In for take home points, how would you prevent people from bleeding financially? What are some useful advice to prevent financial exsanguination? Should there be another pandemic? Well, I would tell you that people should focus on the six pillars of financial security. 
Number one is figure out an alternative way to make more money. You cannot rely on somebody who controls your paycheck that at any time that a pandemic happens, that they completely cut off that stream of income. You have no source of income. It's like having a backup plan, right? I mean, if there was a fire in your house, are you going to rely on just the fire department to come and get you out of the house? Or are you going to look at another way to get out of your house? You got to have a backup plan for a stream of income. So number one is increase your cash flow. Number two is to manage the debt. It's so important to manage that debt. Number three is really consider immediately starting that emergency fund, which is what we talked about earlier. Number four is to make sure you have the right kinds of insurance. We call it proper protection. There are different kinds of insurance policies that everyone should have. And I would say people say, oh, I've got health insurance, which is great. I've got life insurance, which is great. But do you have disability insurance? Do you have long-term care insurance, right? Do you have renter's insurance, right? If you're a, a renter. That would be number five. And number six is to make sure that you do some legacy planning and some estate planning to make sure that you get a living trust in place as quickly as possible. That estate plan encompasses four areas. And number one is to have a living trust. Number two is to have a pour over will. Number three is to have all your guardianship documents in place if you've got minors. And finally is to have all your powers of your attorney, powers of attorney. So your advanced health directive, financial power of attorney, all those things, and to find a good lawyer to help you with all those things and really seek out professional advice and, you know, find an advisor that I would tell you that's been in this industry for at least more than three years. I see a lot of people trying to get advice from people who've just been in the industry for six months or even worse is they go and seek advice from someone that's not even licensed and credentialed in this industry. And they're telling you how to manage your money. So there you go. Good. That's wonderful. So I hope the listeners will figure out how that will fit in their planning, right? Believe it or not, we're about on that 30 minutes or 35 minutes. So other take-home points, John, and now I'm already thinking and hopefully grow rich. Is it too late? <laughs> Never too late to think and grow rich, you know? It's interesting, Dr. Martin Luther King said that most people die at the age of 25. We just don't bury them until they're about 80. And I think what he was referring to is that most people have given up on all their dreams. And whatever your dreams are, if you want to be an actor, you want to be a musician, you want to become a lawyer, you want to become a real estate agent, dream big and be the best at what you're going to do and be the best version of you. And it's never too late. It's never too late for you to dream big and go after it. And it's never too late either. I'll certainly pick up that book, John. Your energy is captivating and contagious. So I certainly enjoy partaking in some of your courses and stuff like that. So it's phenomenal. So other take-home points for people besides thinking big and follow their passion and dreams? Yeah, I mean, I would tell them, look, number one is don't be shy to ask people for help. Most people, they feel like, you know, if you ask for help, you're incompetent. And it's not that you're incompetent. It, it, there are professionals out there for a reason. Seek out professional advice. Some people say, well, I don't need to go see a doctor. And how would you know how healthy you are if you don't get examined by a professional uh, medical professional? Have them run the test. Make sure you're okay. It's interesting. A friend of mine actually went and saw a doctor and the doctor said, oh, he says, how do you feel? And he says, I feel great. And he says, okay, well, I'm sure that there's probably no issue. 
issues. The doctor takes his blood test, his urine sample, runs all these labs. And the guy comes, doctor comes back and says, hey, he says, man, he goes, it's interesting that you said you feel great because the lab reports say otherwise. And he goes, really? He goes, look at your lab reports. And we got to put you on medication, he says, or we got to change your diet, your exercise. And he goes, but I thought, I feel like I feel good. And he goes, hey, let me just tell you what's happened is that you have felt crap for so long, your body doesn't even know and it forgot what feeling great feels like. You become immune to what it feels like to be great, feeling with lots of energy. And he's like, oh my gosh. And then of course, once he shared with him his lab reports, he really started to accept the fact that he had cholesterol issues. He had uh, high sugar levels and to a point where the sugar was extremely concerning that he is definitely a diabetic now. So this is where I tell people, don't wait till the last minute to go and seek out help. Get an x-ray, get your financial snapshot of what your personal finances look like. Just like you go to a doctor for your health, go see a financial doctor and see what does it really look like. And don't be embarrassed. I mean, you might be 50 years old and you're embarrassed because you made all this money over the last, whatever, 25 years and you have nothing to show for it. Well, don't wait another 25 years and retire broke and have to work till the day you die. I say, go and find a financial professional and sit down and share with them what your goals look like. And they'll plan. There's a great quote that says that most people don't plan to fail. They just fail to plan. And it's the same thing with your health. If you want to feel good every day and you want to have that energy, go and seek out a nutritionist and a doctor and find out what is it that you got to do to get yourself to work at your peak potential. What do you think nowadays with the vaccine now? And what do you think about the reopening of business and a little bit better financial stability? Is it looking good now? Or what do you think, John? Yeah, I think more and more people are getting vaccinated. And as that happens, I think there'll be more confidence for people to go out. I'm sure many people are going to still want to wear masks, and that's their choice if they want to wear it to be a little safer because they're concerned about their own well-being. I certainly am not going to judge anybody and say, hey, that guy's wearing a mask. What a weirdo. We don't know what kind of pre-existing conditions that person has. So if they feel more comfortable wearing a mask, so be it. But in terms of the economy, there's definitely the government, the federal government is going to be injecting a massive amount of money into the mainstream. And we're talking about $4 trillion is going to be injected into the mainstream. And so when that happens, I just don't see how business isn't going to skyrocket as we see $4 trillion being injected back into our economy. Good to know. Good to know. I think everyone is waiting for that. A lot of people are suffering. So a lot of people are restarting all over again, right? So yeah. yeah. Are there any other things that I should ask or we should know as listeners? Well, we could probably talk for days because you are both <laughs> passionate about this and helping people. The fact that you've got your podcast going on and that you're finding all these wonderful speakers and content providers. Uh, I think your audience is getting tremendous value from your show. Yeah, more next time, John. We'll invite you again for more stuff on business strategies and financial planning. And certainly we'll reach out to you for advice and for strategic planning. Absolutely. Always great to be here with you, Dr. Gabriella. Yeah, thank you so much, Sir John. Okay. okay. Tell me about how you got imbued with this Sir John Shin thing. Tell us about it. 
Well, that's a tremendous honor too. I got a call one night and basically they said they wanted to knight my wife and I into the Royal Order of Constantine the Great and St. Helen. At first I thought it was a joke and I basically said, oh, am I going to get a sword? And they said, well, yes, the prince will actually get you a sword with your name on it. And I'm like, oh, there's a prince, huh? And I go, and then I was like, all right, is this like a club? I said, no, this is the real Royal Order. And I still had not hit me yet. Like I I thought it was still just a joke and it was kind of like a clubbish kind of thing. And then I find out later that it was a full-blown formal Prince Raphael who is the prince of the royal order of Constantine the Great. And there are real dukes and duchesses and count and countesses. And it was unbelievable. And the royal order of Constantine the Great is the longest active reigning order that still exists today in chivalry. So just a tremendous honor. I'll never forget the day, September 14, 2019 was the day my wife and I both got knighted. So it's pretty, with big titles also, Dr. Gaviola also comes big responsibilities. So it's not just a title, but it's all the humanitarian and philanthropic work that we do around the world. What an honor, John. It's so nice that people like you are acknowledged and recognized for contribution to humanity. So thank you so much for having been such a philanthropist. Yeah, absolutely. It's like yourself too. You're doing so many wonderful things with your own charity and the work that you do in the Philippines. And I think most people don't have any idea how many people are in dire need around the world. We take for granted what we have here in the United States. The fact that you can just walk into a hospital, go down the street and you have access to a doctor. You could go to a local CVS or a Rite Aid and get your prescription. And, you know, people complain it's $10, $15. There's places around the world that you and I have both seen that they don't have access to those kind of things. Yeah, like our mobile clinic is the only access they have in the Philippines. And of course, there are no vaccines there. They started having vaccinations for the healthcare workers, and that's the vaccine from China. Nobody knows what the data is, but at least it's some vaccine. So I think it's good, right? So hopefully this vaccination will be shared with countries in the world. Yeah, we're so lucky to be here in the U.S. with a lot of resources. That's for sure. That's for sure. Yeah, but generally, this pandemic had really affected more of the marginalized people. And yeah, John, thank you so much. More to follow. Okay, great being here. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to Medicine for Good podcast. If you enjoy the show, please share with family and friends. Rate and review us on iTunes, Spotify, Amazon, Acast, and YouTube. Follow me on social media at Dr. Jet on Twitter and Facebook. Meanwhile, stay safe, stay well, and stay connected. See you in our next episode.